Thank you so much, Darlene and Diane, and here, Diane, that you're not doing too well this morning, so I'm praying for you to get better, and thank you for being here and playing. I know Pastor and Miss um, Shane, they are gone. They are in Medford, I believe, right now, and uh, Pastor's speaking at the church there, so um, I was asked to fill the pulpit this morning, and uh, you know, in, in doing that, there, there are a lot of things that kind of have to happen for that to take place. People have to fill other positions, and so I'm thankful for those who have um, stepped up and taken the teen class. Chris Edwards, he took that and um, taught the teens this morning, and then Miss Mona and Drew taking the children's church this morning. So grateful for them to be able, and just how it all just flowed. They just jumped right in and did it. And um, So just thankful for the willing hearts of people here. Aren't you? Aren't you excited? I mean, it's just so great to see the willing hearts of people, so... Well, this morning, um, we're going to be looking at a passage in 2 Corinthians. You can take your copy of God's Word and flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And, um, and before we um, get into the message, um, there should be in your bulletin a handout. And it says, don't lose heart is the front of that, the three points there. And um, let me see here. If you did not get one, our ushers are scrambling in the back they're going to be grabbing those and uh, they'll make their way up to the front um, and as as they do that um, you can just signal to the usher if you did not get this handout all right it looks like this it has three points and on the back it says questions but the front it says don't lose heart so if you did not get that in your bulletin some didn't if you did not just signal to the usher and they'll make sure that they get that out to you thank you brother dean for that all right, as he's handing that out, you should be flipping over to, there to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. I've entitled this message, Don't Lose Heart. There are different messages, different, different things that, be, that are, are preached in the pulpit. Some are, um, you know, driving home a point about sin, maybe some sin you're struggling, or, or a gospel message. Or, um, but this one today is really a message of encouragement, okay? And um, I want to bring a message of encouragement to you today. 
Um, it may be geared more specifically to a certain crowd, and you'll understand when we get there. However, it is for all of us today because we all have flesh, and we're all human, and uh, we'll get to that certain point. So you should be there in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. All right, so how many here would say that they enjoy putting things together and following the instructions when they put those things together, you open up the box, it's brand new, you pull out the instructions, that's where you start. How many say, that's me? Okay, most. How many said that is not me? Oh. <laughs> All right, those who said it's not me, you know what it's like. You go in, you start putting it together, you put the instructions aside, and you say, I can do this myself. Well, sometimes at the end of that putting together phase, you have a few things left over. You're laughing, yes, because you know you've done that before. And so you you have these parts left over. And the excuse you use to either your children or to your spouse, you say, they're just extra parts. They're not needed, right? All right. So when we get to this passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul lays out for us an instruction manual. He gives us three steps, three things that we are to look at in our Christian life, to not lose heart. So let's look at verse 16 to start, okay? I have a long introduction because we need to get this background here, and then we're going to jump into these three points. But the first, let's look at verse 16. It says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Well, what does it mean to lose heart? Well, it means this, to lose one's motivation to accomplish some valid goal, to become discouraged. How many yesterday saw the duck game? Okay, now you know where I'm going with this, okay? <clears throat> if you're not a football fan, just bear with me as I go. All right, I am. So here it is. We're watching, I'm watching the game, and um, as the score keeps racking up for Utah, you know, you're starting to, starting to lose some hope here. Um, there was a play that took place where the kicker, it was a fourth down for Utah, and Utah's kicker took the ball, and he punted the ball, and... The ball didn't go that far. It, was kind of, it looked like it was a bad kick. And, and so Oregon had great field position. Well, all of a sudden you hear the ref say, we're going to redo the down. And you're like, what just happened? Well, apparently, as he kicked the ball, you could see it on video. The ball hits the guide wire to that um, sky cam, the camera that goes over the field and floats over the field. It hits that wire, and it so affected the play. Well, there's nothing in the rule book that says anything about this. And so the ref has the right to make a fair call. And it was fair to say, let's replay the down. So they replay the down. My first thought was, oh, no. This is a great opportunity to take advantage of a redo. And uh, that's just what Utah did. They took the ball, and the punter grabbed it. He ran left and darted past. He, he had blockers in front of him, and he picked up his, like, 30-some yards or something like that and, and ended up getting a first down. It was fourth and 13. Who goes for a fourth and 13 on your own side? Well, Utah did. They had some courage, and they went. And let me tell you something. The camera panned over to the University of Oregon Duck football players, and it showed one football player. I think his number was 44. He had long hair and bushy hair, and he was on the special teams. And you saw discouragement. You saw his countenance change. He lost motivation. He lost hope. Well, so did the rest of the team, and so did the fans as everyone started vacating the place. But this is, that's a great example of losing hope. There are some things in your life where you have lost hope. 
It may be certain struggles that you've gone through, certain difficulties and and trials that have come into your life, and you just want to throw in the towel. Well, what is this so we don't lose heart talking about? Well, in the second part of verse 16, it says, um, so we don't lose heart. Um, though our outer self is wasting away. Okay, our outer self. Think back for a moment, though. All right, I want you to think back for a moment in your glory days. Okay, some of you are in your glory days right now. All right, some of you teens, you're like, yes, or your college age, you're like, I'm in my glory days right now. Some of you, you can't think back that far. But there was a time where you had your glory days, where you were intelligent and on top of things, where you were athletic and you could run super fast and jump really high or whatever it may have been. But those were your glory days. Think back on those times for a moment. And now think where you are now if if you have to think back, okay? Now think where you are now. Think about how maybe the body is starting to be sore, you know, and and starting to ache. You know, I, I work for a day on concrete. And my knee begins to hurt. It even swells up sometimes. All right, I'm, I'm starting to get gray. I'm starting to lose my hair. Teens, stop laughing. They make fun of me, but it's real, okay? And so, but these things are happening. Sometimes I'll be throwing a softball. I'll get sore. I have to stretch for like 30 minutes before I start playing. And I'm only 29, okay? And you're like, right. Some of you, some of you know this very real. I just said sore, and some of you are like, ow, my knee hurts. You know? I mean, just thinking about it is painful to you, right? All right, so this is the outer self. It is wasting away. This is your flesh, your bone, the skin. This is your body. It is degrading. It is wasting away. Pastor Kevin DeYoung asked this question. He says, how can you say verse 16, part A, all right, which says we do not lose heart. How can you say that? Really feel it, mean it, believe it. When you have part B going on in your life, that's though our outer self is wasting away. How do you say, not from empty words, but from the bottom of your heart, we do not lose heart when your outer nature is wasting away? Well, Paul here gives us the answer in verse 16c, verse 17, and verse 18. You see, it is only when you believe those verses with everything you've got, that's when you can say, I will not lose heart. Well, you see, our bodies are wasting away. Every moment, they're getting, they're getting slower, we're aging, it's just the natural process. That, that's what happens. Well, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and if you'll take your copy of God's Word and flip back to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, it's right after the book of Proverbs, before Song of Solomon. It's the last chapter in Ecclesiastes. Here is one of the most descriptive images in the Bible about this decaying outer self. It is so descriptive. This is poetic, okay? Solomon's writing in poetry. And so he's going to use some words and some phrases that may seem a little different, but I'll explain what those things are. Some of you are experiencing this even today. All right. So when we go through this list, hopefully you don't experience the last thing, which we'll get to. But you're experiencing these things right now. Okay. He says in um, chapter 12, verse 1, 
Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Basically, what Solomon is saying here is turn to God while you're young before it gets harder when you're older. Okay, let's jump to verse three, because this is when he starts describing in poetry form the aging process. All right. Very descriptive. Here we go. Verse 3, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble. This is your arms and legs. They begin to tremble as you get older. They begin to shake. Maybe writing is harder for you. Writing things down, walking. These things begin to tremble, okay? Um, And the strong men are bent. This could be your back or even your legs that are bent over. You begin to get frail. And the grinders cease because they are few. Obviously, this is your teeth, okay? Your teeth begin to fall out. You lose your teeth. And those who look through the windows are dim. These are your eyes as you start, your eyes, your eyesight starts fading. You know, this is why you're going to the eye doctor several, you know, several times a year sometimes just to get your eyes worked on. Verse 4, and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up to the sound of a bird. This is someone who can't sleep well. The, The noise of a bird will even wake them up. Some of you are experiencing that. You go to bed and you're trying to get some rest, but you just keep waking up through the night at the smallest noise. Verse 5. Um, sorry, let's go back to the latter part of verse 4. And all the daughters of song are brought low. This is your hearing. Your hearing begins to go. That's why you get hearing aids and um, all those things. Your hearing gets, starts fading. Verse 5. They are afraid also of what is high. This is this isn't referring to falling. You're afraid of falling. You might break a hip or something like that. I tell the kids in our children's church program, I tell them, do not run in church. We don't want you to knock over some elderly lady and then she breaks a hip and she's going to go in the hospital. All right. You're going to be bringing her flowers. All right. We don't want that to happen. But you, if you're elderly, you fear a fall. Um, I was talking this morning to someone. They're like, it's been good. I haven't fallen in within the hour. So, you know, th- this is very real for some of you, okay? Um, and then Solomon continues and writes, um, and terrors are in the way. Uh, this is in reference to maybe on a road with potholes. Now, think about it. A child. When a child sees a pothole and water in it, the child does what? Jumps in the puddle, right? Okay. A teen. When the teen sees the puddle, what do they do? Jump over the puddle, okay? And what happens when an elderly person sees the puddle? They gingerly walk around it, okay? Very gingerly and very careful. They are cautious. They're afraid of falling in the potholes on the roads. And then Solomon continues and says, um, the almond tree blossoms, okay? This almond tree is... When it blossoms, it turns white. It's, re- it's referring to your hair. All right, your hair begins to turn white, and some of you are just dyeing your hair. Okay, it's not white anymore because you've dyed it, but you know what it is. Your hair is turning white. The grasshopper drags itself along. You no longer have got that leap, that step, that extra step in your um, in your go. It's it's now you're dragging along in your walk. And desire fails, okay? This is in reference to sexual desires. They fail because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Here it is. This is your funeral now. Your funeral where you are, the mourners are in the street. You have gone to your eternal home, the funeral. You have died 
in verse 6, before the silver cord is snapped, that is your spinal cord. Or the golden bowl is broken, that is your brain. Or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, that's your heart. Or the wheel broken at the cistern, that would be your veins and arteries. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. This is a very descriptive passage of what it's like to get old. And some of you teens are like, yeah, I see Josh's face. He's like in awe over like, what? Really? I, that's what it's like. I don't want to do it. Well, guess what? It's going to happen if you're young. All right. And if you're already old, you have experienced many of these things. And so if you'll flip back over to Second Corinthians chapter four again, we're going to see this because here in Second Corinthians four, um, Paul is writing and he's talking about this and he says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. It is. Our outer self is wasting away. So how do we not lose heart when our bodies waste away? Well, there are three points Paul brings out in this passage. The first point is we must believe that God works on the inside even as the outside wastes away. All right? We must believe that God works on the inside even as the outside wastes away. Away, all right. You have those fill-ins there. You can fill that in. You can take some notes on this as well. So here it is in verse sixteen. Look at verse sixteen. Remember, how do we how do we say we do not lose heart? Well, the answer is in verse sixteen c, seventeen and eighteen. The first point is sixteen c. Look at the latter part of verse sixteen. It says, "Our inner self is being renewed day by day." Look, your outer nature is changing, it's degrading, it's wasting away, but your inner self should be improving. And just so you know, in every point when I say we, I'm referring to the believer here. This is only for believers, okay? The believer must believe that God works on the inside, even as the outside wastes away. Now, sometimes it's easier to think of the opposite, to help us understand this, okay? Think of the opposite if... Our outside got better and our inside wasted away. Let's think of the opposite here, okay? Let's just imagine, what if your outer body got better? Every day, it got stronger, it got leaner, healthier, younger, got rid of any diseases, infections, got rid of any cancers. Your aches and pains begin to cease. Your hair grew in. Teens. (laughs) You no longer need glasses. Your teeth alignment improves. And some of you, thank you, Mike. (laughs) Some of you, you just want your teeth to grow back. And Mike was laughing through his dentures, all right? (laughs) You can jump faster. You can run, sorry, you can jump higher. You can run faster each and every day that happened. Now you're saying, boy, I wish... That were the case as you're rubbing your arms or your knees as they begin to waste away. You're you're wishing that that could happen. Now, let me ask you this, though. Which one would you rather have? The outer self renewed day by day or your inner self renewed day by day? You know, that's that's a very valid question to ask. Which would you rather have? That outer self renewed day by day or that inner self Renewed day by day. Let me tell you this. The more and the closer you get to Christ, the more definitively you can say, I want that inside renewed day by day. You know, that's where we need to be looking. 
We need to, we need to see and see the confidence we can have and the, and the hope we can have as we look and see the truth of God's word that our inside is being renewed day by day. You see, as a believer, we are to grow in our spiritual maturity. This is sanctification, alright? And I have a little graph behind me, and you can see the sanctification process. Some people like to learn visually, okay? So this might help you. And so if you see the bottom part, there are three type of rows there, you could say. The bottom is the non-Christian, the slave to sin. And you see that the line is going up and down, up and down. But it never, ever crosses that line above where the cross is until conversion. Until that person puts their faith and trust in Christ. Look, a non-Christian, they can try to be doing all the good works they can. They can try to go to church. They can tithe. They can love others. They can bake cookies for the elderly. I don't know. Whatever you want to quote or quote say is good. But they can work as hard as they can, but it's not going to save them. But when they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, who died for their sins, and they believe that he died for them and rose again, and that they can have their sins forgiven... That's conversion. That moment, do you see the line that goes straight up? Conversion, right by the cross. They have now entered the Christian life. This is now the sanctification process. This is where the believer, as you see the line, it's growing. It is going and it's got, yes, some ups and downs. We're still, we still have flesh. We still sin. We still struggle in those ways. But if you see the progression of the line, is still getting closer to the line of perfection, of holiness. That is sanctification, that growth process, okay? And then comes the point of death. And then that's the holiness, the perfection, where you spend eternity with God with a glorified, well, one day you'll have a glorified body. And that is the process, sanctification, that middle part right there, that Christian life. You see, that is what we are to continually do That is something that we are continually to be working at, this sanctification process in our Christian life. Um, You see, I have not gone through even a fraction of what some of you have maybe gone through. Some of you maybe have lost a child. Some of you may have lost a spouse. You may be struggling with cancer. These are very real struggles, very real real, um, trials going on in your life that have gone on in your life. But you see, there's something encouraging here in this passage. There's something encouraging to me in this passage as well, that as I age and my body wastes away, I have this great comfort in the Lord that he is great, if he allows me to live, that I will be holier, that I will have grown to love Jesus and others more and more. I take some comfort in this as I age. And you see, I will look more like Jesus and I will know Jesus more. This is because God's spirit is in me. Look, that is what Paul brings out here. That is the comfort. That though your body wastes away, your inner self renews day by day. It is a day by day renewal process. We can take comfort in that. See, no one has suffered as much as Christ has. Think about it. Going to the cross, being separated from his father, from eternity. They have always been in harmony and perfect relation. And then all of a sudden, when Christ took the sin of the world upon himself, that is when the father had to look away. What agony Christ suffered through. So when we suffer, there is a companion and a comforter. 
You see, Christ has suffered. And he can give you a peace and a comfort. He cares for you. Look, we can find comfort in that. That's how we don't. That's, that's one way that we don't lose hope. We can look to Christ. Look, if you are lost, there is nothing on your inside to renew. You see, you are empty spiritually because the Holy Spirit does not live inside of you. You say, sure, I have, you may say, sure, I have friends, I have family, I, I may have a pet I look to, or I've got a hobby I try to distract myself from these trials or difficulties. But you see, all those things are temporal. See, to the believer, we have something eternal. The Holy Spirit who lives in us, who works on us day after day. This is what God has done. The Spirit working in us. And so, not only must we believe that God works on the inside, even as the outside wastes away, our second point this morning, we must believe that the life to come is beyond comparison to the life here. You see, we must believe it, that the life to come is beyond comparison to the life here. Look at verse 17. Paul writes, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Okay, hold on. Paul just writes this. He's writing this under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, for this light momentary affliction, light, these trials don't seem light, do they? When you're going through these difficult times, when you're going through the aging process, when you're going through the surgeries or you're going through the... That is a difficult thing. It doesn't seem light. Nor does it feel momentary. You know what I'm saying? When you're there, it's like, wow, this is going on forever. My sickness is lasting for a long time. It doesn't seem momentary. But remember who is saying this too. This is Paul. All right? This is Paul. And he is writing this. And think about for a moment what Paul endured. You see, I don't think Paul's struggles, his trials, his suffering, I don't think they were light. I don't think they were momentary in any stretch of the imagination. Let's just, let's just see some of these things that Paul went through, okay? Um, you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to give you this long list of some things that Paul went through. In 1 Corinthians 4, 9 through 10, Paul is called a fool, weak, and without honor. He was hungry, thirsty. He was poorly clothed, clothed roughly treated, and homeless, He toiled working. He was reviled, persecuted, slandered, called the scum of the world and dregs of all things. All right, that's just two verses. In 2 Corinthians 1.8, he faced death constantly. In 2 Corinthians 6.8 through 10, he was a victim of evil report, unknown and dying. He was sorrowful and poor. He had nothing. In 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 5, afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, laborers, sleepless nights, hunger. In 2 Corinthians 7, 5, his flesh had no rest. He was afflicted on every side, conflicts without and fears within. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28, Paul was imprisoned. He was beaten times without number, in danger of death, Five times lashed by Jews, 39 each of the five. Three times beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked a night and a day in the sea. And then the danger from rivers and robbers and countrymen and Gentiles in the city um, and in the wilderness and on the sea. 
among false brethren. Labor, hardship, sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, without food, cold exposure. On top of that, the broken heart that he carried because of the church that he loved so dearly. He writes to Timothy and says, everybody in Asia has forsaken me. In 2 Timothy 4.16, no one supported me, he says. All deserted him, but the Lord stood with him and strengthened him. (laughs) All right, here's Paul. All right, he has just gone, uh, not just, he has gone through these things. The trials are real. The suffering is real in his life. And he's at the end of his life here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And there's no comparison, well, to what we have gone through, to what he has gone through. I've never met a Christian that has gone through what Paul has gone through. But what is Paul saying here when he writes these words, for this light momentary affliction? Light? Momentary? What does he mean by that? This is... He is not comparing himself to the difficulties here on earth, but to what awaits him in glory. You see, this is not meant to discourage, but to encourage. Paul doesn't downplay the suffering. He exalts the glory. Did you catch that? He doesn't downplay the suffering. It is real. All right? I am not a Christian scientist that says... Pain, there's no pain. You just think it is, but there's no pain. You don't feel pain. That is not what I'm saying here, and that's not what Paul's saying here. He he doesn't downplay it. It is very real. But what he is doing is he is comparing that with glory that waits. Heaven. That's what he's saying here. You see, so many times we spend so much energy and time looking at the suffering when we should take um, we should take more time examining the coming glory. Not that we don't imagine the suffering doesn't exist, but a great help in suffering is keeping our focus on the glory that awaits us. You see, the key here in this passage is the word comparison. You see that is the last word there in verse 17. Um, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You see, the key here is comparison. This phrase comparison, beyond all comparison, literally means this. Extraordinary unto the extraordinary. It's a hyperbole unto a hyperbole. It is the extraordinary unto the extraordinary. It is beyond our understanding and reach. It is beyond that. It far exceeds the most amazing thing that you can ever dream up. That's what Paul is talking about. This glory. This heaven that as a believer you will get to experience. Do you look at heaven that way? Do you see heaven in that light? Look, there are comparisons that take place. There are earthly comparisons that take place in trials. Some of you have gone through trials and difficulties. And maybe someone has come up to you and said one of these phrases to you. This is an earthly comparison. Because understand, earthly comparisons do not bring a purpose. They bring no purpose at all. This, maybe someone has said this to you. Just think, it could be worse when you're going through something hard. Maybe someone has told you, you have it a lot better than others. Notice the comparison with others. You just need to move on. Hmm. Maybe someone has told you, you have it better than you deserve. Or, this is not as bad as it used to be. Look, these are all comparisons they are all earthly comparisons but they are not the right comparisons 
Um, here is the great comparison. This is a godly comparison. He is comparing your trials to glory. He's comparing the suffering, the aging to glory. Look, when your focus turns to that, when your focus starts to look and see that God is preparing you through that trial, through that aging process, through that suffering, God is preparing you. There is a purpose. It is preparing you for eternity, the glory that waits for you. Look, if you want comfort in suffering, I just challenge you, do an in-depth study about heaven. Study heaven. Study the glory, the delight, the joy you will have with God in heaven. The closeness to the Savior that you will have, the Christ, the Creator, the great I Am. How awesome that will be. Look, if you're lost, the life to come is not glory for you. And look, that is not me saying that. That's, that's God's word. The glory to come is not for you. But God is gracious. God is patient. God is loving. And he has opened heaven's doors. He is saying, come. Look, it's not too late. You still breathe. If you're lost, if you don't have Christ as your Savior, come to him. Glory can be yours. Heaven can be yours. If you turn to him. Well, not only must we believe that God works on the inside, even as the outside wastes away, and we must believe that the life to come is beyond comparison to the life here. But the third point this morning, we must believe that what we can't see is more important than what we can see. We must believe this. That what we can't see is more important than what we can see. Look at verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporal, but the things that are seen are eternal. You see, the things that are temporal are easy to see, right? Just look around. Look at the car you drive. Look at the home you live in. Look at the things that you have, the clothes you wear. These things are temporal. You see, if you flip over to 1 John chapter 2, John gives us a good description of the struggle that we face as believers with this temporal world. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And what the world is passing away along will um, with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Look, these temporal things are easy. They are a struggle for us at times. Is it okay to have things? Absolutely. Yes. But it's when we desire, when we make it our mission, our life goal to go after those things is when we miss the mark. We must focus on the invisible things, not the temporal things. Flip to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, right before the book of James. Hebrews 11, verse 24 through 27 The things that are, I'm not going to read, let me just give you this point. The things that are eternal are easy to miss, okay? The things that are eternal are easy to miss. Here we see Moses, 
All right, Moses, what a great example. I want you to listen carefully to Moses' choice and what he chose to focus on. Starting in verse 24, the author of Hebrews writes, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, rather, to, to be mistreated with the people of God, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the, of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Do you see where Moses' focus was on? It was on the invisible. He chose the mistreatment of God's people, the rejection of God's people over the comfort and pleasures of the king in Egypt. His focus was right on. Where's your focus? Are you focusing on the things that are temporal or the things that are eternal? Look, the things that are temporal, these, these cars we drive, the clothes we have, the house we have, they are temporal. But the things of God are eternal. If heaven was a place with the most amazing food, the nicest cars, the most beautiful people, but Jesus wasn't there, would you still choose heaven? Would you still choose heaven? See, some of us may be struggling with that. Struggling with these things that we see. But it's the invisible things that matter. You see, look at verse 18. Because there's a very important phrase right at the very beginning of this verse. It says, as we look, okay? As we look. So as we look, this is a conditional force. As long as you look... As long as your gaze is fixed in the right place on the unseen things, the eternal things on glory, you will have hope. You will have hope. You will not lose heart. It is conditional. If your focus is right, you won't lose hope. But if you're lost, look where your mind is. In first in Second Corinthians four four, Paul says, In their case, This is the unsaved. The God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Look, if you are lost this morning, your focus isn't on the things that are invisible. Your mind has been blinded. Your mind has been blinded by the God of this world. Where is your focus You know, how are you growing on the inside while your outside wastes away? How are you doing in that area? Do you have the right comparison in regards to heaven and your trials? Are you really comparing your trials in an earthly way, or do you have a heavenly view, a heavenly comparison with the trials that you're going on? There's a purpose. There is a purpose. And is your focus on eternal things rather than temporal things? Where's your focus? Look, this morning, three things Paul brings out. The instruction manual has been laid in front of you. For those who don't like to read the instruction manual, when you put your things together, let me encourage you, now's the time. Now's the time. Look at his word. 
Follow the instructions. These three things, these three resources, your inside. Be encouraged that the Spirit of God is, is working on your inside, that you are being sanctified. Also, make sure you compare to the glory that comes. When the trial comes, there is purpose. Keep your eyes on the glory to come. And is your focus on the eternal things? Really, is it on the eternal things? Let's pray. Father, this morning, been challenged us through your word and the things and the trials and the difficulties and this aging process that we have and the suffering that goes on in our life for the things of Christ. May we truly, God, may we truly look to you for that hope. May we be encouraged by your word this morning. As the trials and difficulties come and as they are real today even in many people's lives that sit here in the pews, these difficulties, these sufferings, I ask that we will look to you. May our focus and our gaze be right. May we love you, Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I brought an encouraging challenge this morning about the sufferings, about the trials, about the aging process. But also, I I gave a few points about the lost man and how this doesn't apply to you as a lost person. And if you're sitting in the pew this morning lost, you don't have Christ as your Savior, you can't have the hope. You cannot have the hope in your trials as a believer does. So if you're sitting there this morning and you say, Pastor Dan, I, I have never put my faith and trust in Christ. And I see how I can't have this hope as I age. Would you quietly slip up your hand so I can see and I can pray for you? You say, Pastor Dan, I I am lost. Would you quietly slip up your hand so I can see that? Is there anyone like that? Okay. And this morning, I gave you a challenge with three things. Where are you looking when the trial comes? Is your focus on the things of God, on the glory, on the invisible, or are they on yourself? Are they on the sufferings? They are real, yes. But there's a purpose, and it's the glory of God, the glory that awaits us as a believer. Lord, may we be encouraged this morning from this. And Lord, may we go home and not let this sit, but may we continue to learn and to Meditate on the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.